Welcome to Public Domain Video Theater, presented by the great detectives of old-time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. After we played a big test a few weeks ago, received a comment from William, uh, who wrote, I don't believe I've seen this episode anyplace else on the internet. And believe me, I've looked. If you have any lost episodes, it would be greatly appreciated if you would post them. Well, most of the episodes that we have are the same ones that have been circulating on the internet. I didn't think I had uh, anything new, but then uh, William's comment made me go back and check, and I found an episode of Dragnet I probably should have played before, and it hasn't been circulating around, and so we're going to go ahead and watch it. This is Season 2, Episode 20. Original air date, March the 26th of 1953, based on a radio play broadcast November 2nd, 1952. And the title is The Big Lot. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. city, part of it. This is Beverly Hills, California. Then there's Griffith Park. We have a good-sized zoo up there, a lot of animals. For a bag of peanuts, the grizzly bear will wave at you. The polar bear will do the same. Some of the animals are pretty much alike. It's the people that differ. That's why I'm in business. I'm a cop. It was Friday, August 5th. We were working the day watch out of Homicide Division. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Warman. My name's Friday. We'd gotten a call that there'd been an accident at one of the motion picture studios. A man had died. We had to make the usual accident follow-up. You'll find him down there in the Greystone set. Thank you very much. All right, come on. Oh, that's it. Oh, 
Change some of the shots, make them more simple. Didn't seem around, so I went ahead and had lunch. Mm-hmm. About, oh, let's see, I think it's about 12.40, Fred Jackson, one of the rigging crew, came in and told me he'd found Bill's body, that a lamp had fallen on him. Darn fool yelled this loud, everybody in the place heard him. I see. Well, I came right over. First, it looked like Bradley was dead. He'd lost a lot of blood. I felt his pulse and found out he was still alive. That's when I had the ambulance called. Uh, right here is where he was found. You can see the lamp. Must have hit him right about here. Poor guy. Yes, sir. Is that where the lamp fell from up there? Yeah, you can see there on the lamp bed where it was. Between those juniors there. See the open space. I see. Who puts the lamps up there? Well, the rigging crew hangs them. Gaffer's in charge of them. What if we could talk to him? Yeah, sure. Uh, Patterson? Dick Patterson? Yeah, sure. Be right there. Gee, that's a big lamp. Yeah, the thing must weigh 150 pounds. Yeah, at least that. What's your position with the company, Adam? I'm production supervisor. Unit manager. A lot of names for it. I try to take care of the running of the company as far as this one picture is concerned. I make out the budgets, work out the schedule with the director, things like that. I understand. It's really hard to say just what my job is. Sort of do a little of everything. Yes. A uniformed officer said there'd be some men out from homicide. That's where you're from? Yeah, that's right. You think there's something wrong here that maybe it wasn't an accident? No, not necessarily. It's just that in any death where there isn't a doctor in attendance at the time of death, we have to look into it. It's just routine. How are they coming over there? Well, about another ten minutes. It's the last shot here, isn't it? Yeah. What do you want to see me for? These officers like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure. This is Mr. Friday. Mr. Smith. Dick Patterson, I got How are you? What would you want to know? Adams here tells us that you were in charge of hanging those lamps up there. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Why? 
You trying to say that I had something to do with causing Bradley's death? No, sir, we didn't say that. And what are you saying? We're just trying to get the facts here. There's no need to get upset, Dick. Well, I don't like it. These cops coming in try to make out those lamps weren't put in right. No, that's not what they said. Well, don't you think I feel bad enough? Bill was a good friend of mine. We've been together a long time. I don't know how that lamp got loose. Well, that's just what we're trying to find out here, Patterson. I've been wanting to get up there myself and look at it. Jerry used not to touch anything until you guys got here. All right, how do we get up there? A ladder over here. I can't understand it. I've been hanging lamps for a long time. Going on ten years. First time anything like this ever happened. Now go ahead. Okay. Watch your step. Thanks. Go ahead, Patterson. Uh, here we are. Well, this is how we hang. You can see where the ark was. Right there in that hole. I appreciate it if you don't touch anything, Patterson. Oh, sure. You just drop the lamps into those holes like that, huh? Yeah, we drill a hole through the bed. One and three sixteenths. Well, I notice the holes aren't straight up and down. They kind of go off at an angle there. Why is that? They're drilled at a five-degree angle so the head won't swing when somebody walks around up here. Oh, I see. There's a pin on the bottom of the bale. One and one-eighth in diameter. That goes through the hole there. Uh-huh. Well, then there's a pin that goes through the mounting like a cotter key, huh? No, it's not necessary. Well, I noticed down there on the broken light, there was a little hole in the pin that comes out of the mounting. I thought that's what it was for. Well, that's for hanging the lamp upside down. There's a fitting goes on that. Another pin goes through there. Well, now I notice a piece of chain on some of the lamps there. Yeah. Does that hold the lamp in any way? No, that's for the tail. Tail? Yeah, that's the lead from the lamp to the plug-in box. Wires and electricity comes in on. Oh, I see, uh-huh. Well, uh, this tail, how much of it's on each lamp? Oh, maybe 30 feet. Well, now, if a lamp fell... Uh, would the wire be short enough to keep it from hitting the floor down there? No, they could all reach the floor. You ever known a lamp to fall before, Mr. Patterson? Yeah, once in a while. Pin might crystallize and break off. Maybe the bed had split out. But you can see for yourself, though. That isn't what happened. Well, now, the lamp that fell down there, was it the biggest one that was up here on this bed, isn't that it? Arc light. B-90s, we call them. Juniors. Over there, the seniors. Mostly fill lights for the ark. Well, from what you can see here, Mr. Patterson, can you figure how that lamp could have fallen, how it could have broken loose some way up here? Well, I'll tell you, Officer Bob, that's my best boy. Bob and I were back here this morning. I wanted to check the position of the lights. I didn't get up there myself, but Bob did. After the rigging crew hung the lamps, Bob ran a test on every one of them. Well, now, a test, you say. Exactly what does that mean? What does he do when he tests them? He hits each lamp. We turn them on, see if the bulbs are all right, fuses are okay, that there are no shorts in the switches. Oh, I see. Well, like I said, Bob got up here and looked at them all. He's a good boy. Been around for a long time. He doesn't make mistakes like this. If he thought that lamp was hung right, then it was. I know it was right. Well, then you have no idea at all how it could have fallen, huh? None at all. Matter of fact, I don't think it did. All right, give me a bell, huh? All right, now quiet down, everybody. No walking around, huh? What was that you were saying about the lamp? Quiet. They're going to make a shot. All right, now everybody settle down. This is picture. All 
There's a couple more things we'd like to check with yeah. you. Yeah, uh, could you make it fast? I just came in for some call sheets. You've got to get out on the back lot. Well, this won't take very long. Understand that you had arguments with William Bradley, is that right? Sure, we had some beefs. None of more serious, though. Well, that's not the way we hear it, Phillips. And you hear wrong. Did you lift that deer into Bradley's car by yourself? Yeah, I had the set decorator with me. He kind of steered the thing in. Sure looked funny. You sure you weren't back in the hotel set today, huh? Positive. You any idea how that lamp got loose and fell? No, not the slightest. You're the first assistant director, is that right? Yeah, that's right. How long you held that job? Oh, about 15 years, I guess. I was a prop man for a while. I'd like to direct someday. Mm -hmm. Did Bradley know that you wanted to be a director? Yeah, he said that if I stayed with him, he'd try to get the producers to give me a picture. Matter of fact, I kind of thought I might get this one. All right. Yeah, when the company bought the book, they didn't assign a man to it right away, and Jerry and I both wanted it. Jerry? You mean Adams? Yeah, he wants to be a director, too. He was pretty hacked when the company gave this picture to Bradley. Jerry thought sure he had it made. Funny, I guess everyone wants to be a director. Jerry's been trying for a long time. I don't think he'll ever make it, though. That right. Yeah, he's too valuable as a unit manager. Yeah. Was Adams very upset when he didn't get to direct this picture? No, I was pretty sore. I told Jerry about it. He just sat back and said that's the way things are and doesn't pay to argue with the front office. Uh-huh. Did you say anything to Bradley about how you felt? Yeah, I told him. I said I thought it was real unfair. Said I thought he could have done something about it. What'd he say? Well, he told me to be patient and my time had come. Said he didn't want me to tackle a picture like this. Said the thing was a dog and that even he'd have to work to make it good. Well, now, if he thought that the picture was so bad, why do you want to have anything to do with it? Well, that's the way Bill was. He'd take the thing just to show he could make it good. He had one of the most terrific egos I've ever seen. Didn't believe he could make a mistake or a bad picture. Well, now you said that you weren't going to use that hotel set until next week. Is that right? Yeah, it was the finish of the picture. Placing the script where the wife comes home and finds her husband with another woman. The wife shoots him, and the tag is played in the lobby there. Well, what was the man from the rigging crew doing back there, would you know? We needed a grid for an arc on the other set, the one we're on now. He went back there to strike the grid for the arc, and that's when he found Bill. Well, is it possible that Bradley was back there checking the lights? No, not Bill. He left that to Patterson. Bradley thought he shouldn't bother with the technical end of things. He spent his time with the people, worked on their characters, as he called it. Used to talk about molding the printed word into something more than real. <laughs> real corny. Yeah, do you know if there was anybody on the lot who might have wanted to kill Bradley? No. Oh, there might have been some people who didn't like him very much, but you run into that on almost every picture. You know, little jealousies. That right? Yeah. You stop to figure how much money is spent on a picture like this, all the different temperaments involved. Why, for three months now, we've all been together every day from 8.30 in the morning till 6 at night. Bound to be a few frayed nerves, few people that are sort, somebody else on the set. But even so, I don't think there was anybody who was mad at Bill enough to do this. You really think he was killed, huh? Looks that way. Oh, something you wanted, Dick? Well, I wanted to talk to the offices. Well, what is it, Patterson? It's kind of private. Well, if you're through with me, I'll get back to work. Well, I'd rather you'd wait if you would. Oh, all right, I'll be right over here. Okay, fine. Yeah? Well, I feel like a real idiot. I should have remembered this when you talked to me before. What's that? Well, I remember that just before the company broke for lunch, Sam gave me a note, said I should give it to Bradley. Yeah. Did you see what it was? No. It was folded up, had Bradley's name on it. I didn't pay much attention to it. Did you give it to Bradley? Yeah. He read it, and then he said he had to leave the set for a few minutes. Said he'd be right back. He left the set then, did he? Yeah. Where was Sam at this time? I don't know. You see, he gave me the note just inside the door to the stage. I was bringing in some more lights, and right after he gave me the note, he left. Yeah? Headed for the hotel set. Gerald Adams and had two of the laborers on the stage start a search for the note. Frank called Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and asked if the note had been found on the body of William Bradley. The doctor told us that he hadn't noticed, but that the dead man's personal effects had been turned over to the coroner. We called the coroner and he told us that nothing of that description had been found. While the laborers searched for the missing note, we continued to talk to Sam Phillips. Oh, well, the whole idea is crazy. 
I told you, I wasn't near that set at all this morning. How about that note? I don't remember any note. Well, the gaffer says you gave it to him, told him to give it to Bradley. He's crazy. If I had a note for Bradley, I'd have given it to him myself. I'm with him all day. I got no reason to have someone else deliver messages for me. Then you deny giving him the note, is that right? Certainly. All right, mister, we'll let you know just how you stand. We've got a witness who says you were seen going back to that hotel set. A couple of minutes later, a man is killed on the same set. You admit you've had arguments with Bradley. Seems like you might have had a motive for killing him. I told you, I didn't go near the... Wait a minute. Yeah. I know what he's talking about. What's that? When Dick said he saw me heading for the back of the stage, he was probably right. You see, I keep this little desk back there sometimes. I keep the strip board on her, check the shots as we go. Wasn't any place near the set where Bill was killed, though. Yeah. Well, I know what you guys think. I don't know how to show you that you're wrong. Can you come up with an explanation for that note? I'm trying to tell you that I don't... Yeah, that's what he's talking about. What? I did give Dick a note. Told him to give it to Bradley. What was in it? I don't know. I didn't read it. Well, then you didn't write it. No, found it on my desk this morning. I figured that someone had put it there thinking I'd see Bill and give it to him. What time did you find it? Um, let's see. I guess it was about nine or so. I guess I put it in my pocket and then forgot about it. And just before we were breaking for lunch, I remembered it, gave it to Dick, told him to hand it to Bill. That's what the note was all about. Right after that, I went over to the commissary. You got any idea who might have left the note? No, sir, none at all. Found it here, right here. So it was addressed to him, put it in my pocket, and didn't think much about it. When I got back to set, I forgot all about it. I remembered it just before we were ready to break for lunch, just like I said. Did you see Bradley at all after you left the stage? No, I looked for him at the commissary, but he didn't show up. Then Fred Jackson came in and told us about the accident. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you recognize the handwriting on the note? No, all I saw was the name that it was for Bradley. Come to think of it, though, I do kind of remember it was familiar writing, thinking I'd seen it someplace before. Do you remember where? No, I wish I could. You found it yet? No, not yet. I'd like you to take a look at this, Phillips. What's that? Our crime lab crew found this caught on a piece of the lamp that killed Bradley. Looks like a piece of gray flannel, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, from inside the cup, see? You can see the little zigzag marks where it's been cut. You ever see this material before, Sam? Yeah, I've seen something like this. Saw it this morning. Gray flannel slacks. Yeah? Sure, Jerry Adams was wearing them. p.m. We went out to the back lot and picked up Gerald Adams and took him back to stage two. Sorry? Yeah, this is fine. Were you back here on the stage at all before the body was found? No, sir. Why, do you think I had something to do with this? No, we didn't say that. We're still trying to get the facts here. Well, I want to help all I can, but it seems to me you'd do better if you talked to Sam. The note and all. Is he still deny giving it to Bradley? No, he says he gave it to him. Well, there you are. I guess that argument was a lot more serious than we thought. I'd like to take a look at the cuffs of your trousers if we could, Adams. Why? I'd like to take a look at them. I don't understand. Good. Put your foot up there, will you? Sure. Let's see the other one. I don't know what you guys are looking for, but if you tell me what you want, maybe I'll help you find it. Got a tear inside your cuff. Have you noticed it? No. Here, let me see. Yeah, how about that? I'll have to get that fixed. A little piece torn right off. Brand new slacks, too. First day I wore them. What'd you do when you found Bradley's body? Well, when I heard about the accident, I ran back from the commissary right back to the hotel set. Was there anybody on the stage then? No, not right away. Fred was right behind me. He's the one who found Bradley. Then Jack, the guard. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the body was lying right by the lamp. You saw that when you were there. Yeah, we did. Did you go near the lamp, touch it in any way? No, I didn't. My only concern was Bradley. That's all I thought about. I knelt down to feel his pulse, and then I told Jack to go phone the ambulance. Yeah. 
Then I had the set roped off. I waited till the studio policeman got there, and then I went up front where the rest of the company was. Our crime lab found a piece of cloth caught on that lamp. Matches the tear in the cuff of your pants there. Gray flannels. I can't understand how it could have gotten there. What if we could take a look through your pockets? Why? What's that going to prove? All right, empty the stuff out of your pockets. Just like to take a look. It won't hurt anything, will it? I don't see why you're asking me all these questions. Seems to me that Sam's your killer. Why don't you talk to him? Make him tell you why he did it. All right, come on. Let's see what you got in your pockets. Take everything out. All right, here's my wallet. Open it up. What's that you got in your hand? It's nothing, nothing at all. Let me see it. It's nothing. Bradley, I have to see you. Something's come up. Meet me at the hotel set when you break for lunch. It's private. Jerry. What's this mean, Adam? I don't know anything about it. Well, isn't this the note we've been looking all over the stage for? place to go up there. Stay away from me. Come on, Adams, give it up. Stay away from me. I'm not going with you. You got no choice, mister. Why'd you do it, Adams? Bradley was no good. All his life stepping on people. He didn't want to see anybody get ahead. This picture was mine. They told me it was. He was selfish. He took it away from me. It was my picture and he took it. All right, come on down. Why don't you shoot me? Go ahead. I'm not going with you. Why don't you shoot? What for? You're not going anyplace. I'm going to stay up here. Suit yourself. we got a lot of time, Adams. Why don't you just go away? Leave me alone. You know better than that. You killed a man. Now, you either come down or we're going to come up. What do you think, Joe? I'll give him a minute. He wants to be a director. Yeah. Let him figure out the ending. February 17th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. The suspect was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree.
welcome back. This is a bit of uh, phraseology in the opening that Dragnet doesn't typically use. This is the city part of it. Uh, this is the city definitely sounds a lot better. And no one thinks that the whole of Los Angeles are a grizzly bear and a polar bear at the zoo. But it's still nice to see them. Uh, these old animal movies from a time when it was actually okay to feed the animals peanuts. When I first listened to the radio episode, it struck me right away that this was actually a very visual story, and that would probably look better on television. And indeed, I think this is one of those Dragnet episodes that does work better on TV, because they really want to take you to the movie set and show the whole enormity of it. You can see when they arrive there on set that they show you so much detail of everything going on there. Certainly a set on a Hollywood soundstage, that's not really a hard one for them to procure anything, but they definitely make the whole thing come to life and let you just kind of soak it in and experience it. We also have a line that comes closest to the apocryphal Just the Facts, ma'am, when Friday says, we're just trying to get the facts here. And the one other thing that I do want to talk about is the concluding scene. And this is one of those scenes that really sets Dragnet apart from other a police and detective show. Uh, in this era, you know, in 1953, you tune into any other program and the policeman is going to run up there after the criminal. They may even fire a bullet at the fleeing suspect. It's going to be all dramatic and you start to get some of the dramatic music, but instead you have Friday and Smith just kind of walking around and figuring this out. Okay, you know, where is he going? Where would we be going if we chased him? And they figured, hey, he is the this very clever crook is running towards a dead end. We'll just wait down here, thank you very much, and hope he figures that out. It's one of those examples where Dragnet's realism is actually funny, not because what they're doing is humorous, but you watch it and you go, wait a second, why aren't all those other police shows doing that? Because in that case, they're sacrificing the realism that they might have on their programs, which was often very limited in the 1950s, for a sense of drama. Overall, I enjoyed this episode. I really wish we had a better conditioned print, because they clearly put a lot of thought into the visuals on this and to making it a very rich story uh, to enjoy. And it still does come across even with the problems of the condition of what we do have. This was probably planned for television even when the radio script was written, given that the air dates were only about four months apart. Of course, over the uh, 1952-53 season, they were doing 39 episodes of Dragnet on television and 40-plus more episodes of Dragnet over the radio. So they needed to find ways to, econ uh, to economize and cut 
corners wherever they could without sacrificing quality. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here for another episode of Video Theater. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And if you like these videos, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.